Welcome to the World Impact Ministries Sermon of the Week with today's message by Pastor Beverly Rayfeld. Well, I'm debating because I had a video that I wanted to start out with. I don't use videos often, but this is one that um, it really, it really um, hits the mark, but it's a nine-minute video. You guys want to help me? Should I take a vote? You want to see the video? Okay, thank you. I'm done. You know what? Give me, give me, let me, let me get through my first, my first little bit. I'm going to do my intro, then we're going to, we're going to do that video, Jake. So um, we've been talking recently about what a mature prophetic community looks like. And Pastor Wayne last week um, taught powerfully on the difference between the spirit of prophecy, um, the gift of prophecy, and the office of the prophet. If you missed it, talk to Beth um, to get a copy of it. Um, it was powerful. It was on point. Um, and one of the things that we've realized as we've talked about this is we are to never be impressed by the gifts in a person. We are to be more impressed by the character that comes out of them. So if someone is gifted, but they are not exhibiting the character of Christ, we really aren't going to go there, okay? Um, so we don't elevate gifts in this church. We look at the character of the person. We do not look for supernatural activity alone. We look for the character that Christ is developing in each one of us. Um, mature prophetic communities are never built, and I want you to hear this because this is where I'm going today. Mature prophetic um, communities are never built on prophetic revelation alone, ever. Ever. Mature prophetic communities are built on the Word of God. The Word of God activates the prophetic more than any other tool that we've been given. You want to know the prophetic for your life? Get into the Word of God. Bottom line. The prophetic will not stay in a place that is God-centered if it, if without the Word of God being a foundation. Because it begins to get difficult to understand what is, in, what is imagination and what is revelation. Okay? So um, mature prophetic communities are full. And I want you to hear this because most of you attend here and we're not preaching this because we're trying to clean up any kind of messes. We have understood there's such mature people in this church that have operated so beautifully and we see the gifts coming alive. So these are not corrective messages at all. Um, so I want you to know that mature prophetic communities are full of people who are led by God through deep places of transformation in the word of God. Okay, a healthy prophetic community is full of people who are being led by God through deep places of transformation in the word of God. Okay, we're talking healthy prophetic. There's a difference between just prophetic and healthy prophetic. A healthy prophetic community is full of people that are experiencing the transforming, transforming work of the Holy Spirit through the word of God. Okay, and so um, uh, I, I'm going to actually uh, uh, give one last thing, Jake, and then I'm going to have you put this up there. Um, I heard this said recently, and I loved the way that this sounded. And, and it, you know, the Bible, it will comfort us, but it will also confront us. And so we have to be okay that sometimes we need comforting, but sometimes we need confronting. And we need to be okay with that. But I heard it, I, I've, heard, uh, I've heard this saying, and I've heard it said by a lot of different people, but I love the way that, that, it, that this reads, um, that too many Christians use the Bible like a drunk man uses a lamppost. They use it more for support than they do for illumination or transformation. 
Too many of us are using the Bible to support what we already believe instead of going into the Word of God and asking the Lord, what do I need to know so my life can be transformed and look more like yours? So many times we go to the Bible looking for it to support what we already know instead of going in, not just for new revelation, but actual transformation. Lord, where is it in my life that I need to change to look more like you? And so this is where I want to go this morning. So Jake, roll it. So I'm not teaching from that scripture, but the content of this is right where I'm going this morning. And so I'm going to take you right to the Word of God. This is something that I want to encourage us all um, to begin to do if you're not doing it already. That when we go to the Word of God, that we start out before we even crack it open, that we start out by saying, Father, don't tell me what I want to hear, but show me what I need to know. Show me what I need to know to be a greater reflection of your son. So I want you to turn with me this morning. I'm going to go right into teaching. It's going to come hard and fast. The kind of, that's just how I do it. Um, so uh, Hebrews 4, verses 12 and 13. And this is a passage of scripture that we have read over and over and over again. And it is one that is an essential scripture for us to understand when we are, when we are looking at transformation and we're looking at what God wants to do in our life. Um, Hebrews 4, verses 12 and 13, for the word of God is alive and active. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. And I want to give you a little bit, a, a few historical facts um, about uh, a few things in the scripture. Um, that, th that word sword in this passage of scripture, there were a variety of swords that were used in, with, by the Romans in New Testament times. There was a huge double-handed sword, um, and this sword was so massive that it could only be lifted with two hands. You literally, they never took that onto the battlefield because the only way to use it was you had to have both hands and full power to be able to lift it. So they used that sword for conditioning. They would use that during practice. Um, they would swing at each other, but they would more, more often swing at a fence post or an inanimate object. And they would use that to build up their muscles so when they were on the battlefield, they could use the sword that they had in battle um, much more efficiently. So that was one sword. There was also another sword that they used for fighting in battle that was similar to the swords that you might see today. Um, not that you see a lot of swords around, but you know what I'm talking about. It was just a sword that was in a sheath. Um, it was longer. Um, uh, it was effective in battle, but more often than not, it would wound the enemy, but it wouldn't kill them. It, it, was, it was a sword that was, it had a duller edge. But the weapon referred to here in Hebrews is neither of the two swords that I just spoke about. The sword specifically referred to here was an exceptionally brutal sword. It could be up to 18 inches in length. Um, it was sometimes shorter than that. It, it was what we would consider a very long dagger. This sword was used only in up-close personal combat. It was not a sword that you, that you fought with. It was when the, the combat was up-close and personal. It was razor-sharp on both sides. And the tip of the sword was often turned upwards, sometimes actually twisted into a corkscrew. Into a corkscrew. All of these characteristics made this particular sword a very, very effective weapon. 
this two-edged dagger-type sword inflicted a wound far worse than any other sword that was available to the Roman soldier at that time. Although the other swords could be deadly, this was the most sure way to a very quick end. The root word for this word sword in this particular scripture actually means to strive or contention or quarrel or fighting. This sword that he's talking here about here is meant to settle a fight. It's meant to remove contention, and it's meant to silence quarreling. And so I want to challenge you this morning to look at this particular scripture and look at the word of God that is talking about in here, that the word of God, the Bible, is the sword of the spirit that will settle the fight between your spirit and your soul. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, is given to settle the quarrel and the fight between your flesh and the Spirit. There's a, I don't know about you, but there's a constant battle between my flesh and the Spirit. And I'm telling you, the unregenerated Beverly, who can still surface at any time and at any moment, if I am not aware of, of what's going on in my life, and I'm, if I'm too far away from the Word, and I'm not under the influence of the Holy Spirit... The unregenerated Beverly can resurface at any moment. And I will see things coming out of me that I haven't seen in years. And there are things that don't belong in me anymore if I'm ruled by the Holy Spirit. And so after 25 years, it is still essential for me to get into the Word of God. I don't take it lightly. It is something that is a necessity in my life. God is still bringing the sword of the Spirit and whittling away those things in me that do not belong in me. They are not of him. Hebrews 4.12 in the Amplified says, For the word of God is living and active and full of power making it operative, energizing, and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating as far as the division of the soul and spirit, the completeness of the person, and of both joints and marrow, the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and judging the very thoughts and intentions of the heart. Over and over and over again, throughout the last 25 years, I've been confronted by the Word of God is it as it has exposed the ugly carnality of my thoughts and revealed the true intentions of my heart at moments. Those things that I like to hide not only from others, but even myself. Have you ever been confronted with a part of yourself when you've been in the word of God where you're just like, oh, where the Lord has brought conviction? See, this is the one time where we don't have to run away from the sword because this sword makes us better. We, come le- we become lean, mean, fighting machines in the army of God. I'm telling you that there's been nothing more transformative in my life than the Word of God. I can have people give me guidance. I can listen to all kinds of sermons by other people, and I'm blessed by them. I can read books about it, but there is not a single, a single other place of influence outside of the Word of God that has transformed my life. And this is why. No matter who's preaching the Word, flesh can be involved. For as much as I would like to tell you that every single word that falls from my mouth is completely straight up from the Holy Spirit. That's why Paul said, go study it for yourself. 
So when you're all, you know, the, the Bible talks about the milk of the word and the meat of the word. Let me tell you the difference between these two. The milk of the word is what someone else consumes and feeds to you. The meat of the word is when you're mature enough to go and get it on your own. It's first-hand knowledge. It's first-hand revelation. And I'm concerned that many times we read the Bible to do our devotions. We might even read the Bible to get information. We may even read the Bible for revelation, which is not a bad thing. None of this is a bad thing. I can study the Bible to try to bring a good teaching for you. But if I'm not going to the Bible and the Word of God for life transformation, I'm missing a very big piece of this because I cannot preach in authority on something that my life has not already received transformation in. It is when the Word of God has already hit my life that I can preach it with an authority that I did not formerly have. And so um, these things that we like to hide from ourselves, I'm going to give you an example. And if you're newer in our church, I'm not going to apologize for this, but I'm going to tell you, if you've been part of our congregation for any period of time, you will understand that the leaders on this front row, we do not withhold our weaknesses from you guys. We're not afraid. We're not afraid of being judged. We're not afraid to share these things that the Lord has cleaned up in our lives. Because whatever he has transformed us in, you guys need to know about. Because there's some of you struggling with some of the same things, right? And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back about 12 years ago um, where the word of God confronted me on a particular behavior that actually didn't seem to be too damaging at the time. Um, and, and, and it actually didn't even seem to be particularly evil. But there's a word that the Lord has introduced to me just recently that really caught my attention And this is the word that he used with me. He said, Beverly, you need to be careful because the enemy is insidious in the way that he penetrates the lives of believers. The word insidious is not just evil. It means a very slow progression. So slow, you can't even detect it. And it looks completely harmless. But what it is doing, it is is weaving a place into your life that if undetected, will reap horrible results. And so the way that we stop the insidious infiltration of the enemy, because you know, you know, if he can't get in one way, he'll try to get in another, right? When you have victory in one place of your life, he tries to come in another. And I'm telling you what, what the word of God does is it shuts him down. It puts up the stop sign. It puts up the do not enter. And so about 12 years ago, the Word of God confronted me on a, particular, um, on, a, on a particular behavior that I did not realize um, was, was damaging. Um, and uh, if you know my history, uh, uh, which I'm so sorry for all of you that have attended here for five years. <laughs> if you know my history, I always tell people when I left the world, I left a kicking and screaming. And I, w- I, was, I was a mess. I was spiritually dead. When we were singing this morning, you know, we call it to dry bones come alive. I was thinking of my mother who prayed over my life for years, seeing her daughter spiritually dead, completely dead, dead in her sin, in an ash heap, completely chewed up by the world, did not want to live anymore. And yet I had a mother who refused to back down, and she would prophetically pray over me without me knowing it. She never said it over the phone to me, but in services like this or in her bedroom at night, she would prophetically pray over my life and she would call out for these dry bones to come alive. And I'm telling you, I was brought from complete spiritual death and I am fully alive in Christ. 
fully alive in Christ because of a mother who had a prophetic prayer on her lips that would not, she would not be silenced for her daughter. But see, when I came to Christ, though, though I was redeemed and I knew that I was a new creature in Christ, it took a while for my mind to kept, catch up with the work of, that God had done. The work was completed, but it took a while for my mind to catch up with the perfected work of Christ in my life. And so the, for the first number of years after David and I were married, I still struggled with, these, with, with that area of, of of, of, of being drawn to other people outside of my marriage, never crossed a line because the word of God was already alive in me and he was beginning to clean me up. And he was beginning to show me what faithfulness looked like because prior to David, I had never been faithful to anyone. I had lived a very, very ungodly life. And so we had this new marriage and we had a new relationship with Christ and we had the word of God. And the word of God began to change everything for us. But I remember this was about 12 years ago. So this is like 12 years into my walk with the Lord. And, and I, you know, I would pray that prayer all the time. Oh, God, if there's anything in me that is not like you, just show me. And, you know, often when we pray that prayer, we're praying that when we're in a really good place. Because we think, we think we're good. We think we're good. Yeah, we got, we got it going on. He's done a lot of work. But, oh, God, if there's anything in me, you're not expecting an, an answer back. But the awesome thing is, is that even when our prayers, they're as sincere as they can be, God takes them as 100% truth, just like in there. He's like, remember when you were a child and you prayed this earnest prayer. I took it seriously, and that's why I'm here in your life right now, chiseling away, because you said that you wanted me, whatever that looked like. And so um, I would pray those kinds of prayers, and I remember one day as I was reading my Bible, I stumbled across a verse that said, and she will wipe the look of adultery from off of her face. And the Holy Spirit pierced me with the truth of his word and laid bare some intentions of my heart that I didn't even recognize were there. It was insidious. Remember when I taught on temptation, the reasoning in our mind, a little flirt won't hurt. That little thing that says, woohoo, come on, just for a minute. Come on, just entertain me for a moment. And as the Holy Spirit brought that scripture in front of me, he showed me how even to that point, there was this unhealed place in me that would gladly receive the appreciative looks from the opposite sex as a married woman. That not, not only would I gladly receive them, but I would often shoot a glance right back. No words spoken. A silent acknowledgement. A secret exchange. Seemingly harmless. These were perfect strangers. And as I sat there reading my Bible, the Holy Spirit confronted me with this scripture that says, and she will wipe the look of adultery from off of her face. And he shows me that those stolen glances through wide, through wide open, they, they, it would throw open a wide open and undetectable door of unfaithfulness that I was so desiring to be free from. See, I knew there was something broken in me and I wanted freedom, but he showed me in that moment that those stolen glances were acts of unfaithfulness to my husband. To even receive a glance from another man was unfaithfulness to him. Just because you are confronted with the truth of the word of God does not guarantee transformation. Oh, no. 
once you're confronted with the truth of the word of God, you still get to choose as to whether or not you are going to apply it. Transformation only comes when you take the revealed truth and begin to live it, truly live it. Well, I took that revealed truth and I began to live it. You know that when you walk into a place, you can tell if people are staring at you. You can tell, you know what I mean? You, for whatever reason that they are, you can tell, you can just kind of feel it. And I, I, I began to, I took that revealed truth of the word of God and I stopped never again. I was very conscious of where I looked when I would walk into a place. And if there were appreciative glances, I would make sure that the eyes didn't meet and there were no more stolen glances. And that came in place. And you want to know something? You want to know what happened? Is that was another place of freedom where I was no longer subject to the old places of weakness. God was strengthening me in his word as I was following the revealed truth. And I was walking away from even the most imperceptible, what nobody else would have detected, God revealed to me. And I had to respond to it. And freedom came in a greater way as I responded to even what seemed like a really little thing. But I want to share with you a couple years after that revelation, as I'm walking in this newfound freedom that began to shut the doors. Because I'm t- again, I'm going to tell you, I'm free. There is nothing of that old lifestyle that ever comes back to me. Um, I'm faithful as faithful can be. This man is the only man. He'll only be, ever be the only man. No one, yes, no one gets entrance into this mind anymore at all. But a couple years later, I was at a gas station. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share something with you that I, I, I love this, and it marked me. Um, I was at a gas station, and I'd gotten out to pump gas. My boys were young. They were all three in the car. And um, I got out, and I could feel this, this person of the opposite sex over at another gas pump. And, and I could tell he, I could feel his staring and not only that, he was actually trying to insert himself into my line of vision. I could tell he was trying to get my attention. And I made sure that I did, my eyes didn't go anywhere near. I did my business, and I did what I needed to do. I got back in the car. And the minute I got back in the car, my five-year-old son said to me, Mom, he said, didn't that man over you there, didn't he know you were married? And I, I said, I said, I said, I don't know. I said, why would you ask that? He said, because he was looking at you like you weren't married. Now, I want to ask you something. If my five-year-old son can pick up on that, can you imagine if his mother had not been obedient to the word of God in such a little thing, and he had caught his mother returning those glances, he would have known there was something wrong. And my son would have seen an ugly weakness in his mother. But the word of God revealed to me, confronted to me, and I wiped the look of adultery from off of my face. This is the power of the word of God. The word of God doesn't let me get away with a thing, and I'm thankful for it. Why does God want to separate our soul from our spirit? Because our soul continually gets in the way of the spirit of God unleashing his breakthrough in our life. The word of God says that our flesh will be at constant war with the spirit. Actually, it, actually the way the word of God reads, it, it's like the flesh is up with its own dagger opposing the spirit of God. And if the word of the Lord, if the word of God is the sword of the spirit, 
let's end this thing now. Let's get in a place of strength in the spirit of God and not in our flesh. Our personality, how we were raised, our orientation, our thought life, our opinions, and our perspectives will keep getting in God's way. So the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, has to cut us out of the way so the spirit can break through. That little thing that I just shared with you, it's definitely not something anyone would have known to even confront me about. It was imperceptible. Nobody would have known even if I had continued, including my husband. See, the word of God, it comforts. It brings truth when I think lesser of myself than I ought. But the word of God also confronts. And it brings truth when I think more highly of myself than I ought. If you go down in this scripture, it says nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Everything is laid bare. I, when, when our boys were younger, I remember Joshua, he was maybe five. And um, the, uh, one of the neighbor girls was over and they were playing a game of hide and seek. And um, Joshua at one point came running into the room that David and I and our, 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 uh, the parents of the little girl were in. Um, and Joshua came running in. It was his turn to hide. And there was this big cardboard box standing there. And he went running over to the box, and he actually bent over and stuck his head in the box. It's like, if, she, if I can't see her, she can't see me. But we could see exactly where he was and what he was doing. Don't stick your head in the box. God sees it anyway. You don't have to hide it from him. He sees it all and he loves you. He wants to change us. He wants to transform us. We don't have to hide from him, ever. Everything is already laid bare. He wants you to come to him in your weakness. He wants you to bring the word of God into a place in your life where it is elevated, where you are going to the word of God, not just for your scripture for the day or for maybe a little bit of new revelation. He wants you to come for transformation. Don't ignore the places that aren't healthy. Don't pretend that you're further along than you really are. Don't play the blame game and blame someone else for where you're at. Don't shift the responsibility of your spiritual growth onto someone else. I want to read a couple of scriptures here. I want you to go with me to Matthew 7. At the end, I'm going to give you a challenge before we leave here. And it's a challenge that I'm going to do with you. So go to uh, Matthew chapter 7. And this is the difference between a wise and a foolish man because you can read the Bible your whole life and still live in foolishness. Do you know that? You can read the Bible your whole life and still live in foolishness. See, there's one thing that separates the wise from the foolish man. It's not reading the Bible. Let's read here. Starting in verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. I'm going to read that again. Everyone who hears and puts it into practice. 
is wise. The rain came, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great, cla- a great crash. When Jesus had finished, Saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Let me tell you the difference between Christ and the teachers of the law. The teachers of the law had studied it their whole life, but they never lived it out. There is a lack of authority in your life when you have a lot of information that you have taken in from the word of God, but you do not put it into practice in your life. And how often do we read the Bible thinking about everybody else who needs to, to hear these scriptures? Our kids, our, whoever it is, the people that you're upset with. How often do we read the word of God and we think about 20 other people that need to read this scripture, but we don't apply it to us? Yeah, this entire, this entire teaching is on where are you? How are you being transformed by the word of God right now? Not by teachings, not by everybody else's teachings, not by what you're hearing over the internet, not even by what you're hearing from this platform. Where are you in the word of God and how is it transforming your life? When was the last time a passage of scripture was quickened to you where it changed something for you? In John 8.31 And I love this scripture because this scripture came alive to me when I was still dealing with a lot of 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 that that place of weakness, that place of stronghold. And this scripture, um, I, I just, I hung out here. It became my life scripture. It says, so Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, so he was talking to the Christians in this scripture. He said, if you live by what I say, you are truly my disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Some translations say that you are truly my disciples, when you make your home in my word, when you abide there, you live there, you dwell there, you actually build your life in the word of God. And then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Meaning that those that were in front of Christ at that moment, though they were believers, he's saying there's still more freedom for you. There's still places that I want to bring into your life that chiseling away of the excess, those things that will do us no good. And so um, uh, Adrian Woods preached at the, the women's conference on Friday night, and it was so powerful. But there were three things that she left us with, and I texted her last night. I said, I can't find my notes. Will you send them over to me? And, and this, is, this, is what, um, this is what she concluded, and it was on the word of God that there are three things that we must do as disciples of Christ and for life transformation. We must consume it. We must consume the word of God. We've got to eat it. We've got to read it. We've got to take it in. But then we have to believe it. You have to consume it, and then you have to believe it. You have to understand that it is, it is the truth. There's no skating around the difficult stuff. It's the truth. So you consume it, you believe it, and then finally you live it. Because you can have all the truth in the world revealed to you, but if it's not applied, there is no transformation whatsoever. So, I w- Tommy, come on up. I want to give you something to think about before we leave here. There are three places in my life 
where I just encounter God in such beautiful ways. And it's different in each way, but they all work together. Um, one is prayer. I love to pray. Um, prayer is not work for me. God has just graced me with a very a, 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 a beautiful prayer life. And so I love to pray, and I, I encounter God deeply in my prayer times. Worship. I love worship because there's, there's these things that he shows me in worship, and there's these places of freedom that will come in worship that are powerful and beautiful. And I love to worship privately, but I, I love it when we can worship corporately. And then there's the Word of God. And I love the Word of God because it is, it is his unchanged truth. See, my prayers can still be tainted by my f- flesh. And my worship is still coming from an earthen vessel. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it because the, the power and the Spirit of God are so in it. But even my worship can come from a, from, a, from a fleshly place probably at times. But see, the Word of God is all God and only God. It has done more. It has crucified more flesh in my life than any other thing, even in prayer. I have died a thousand deaths in the Word of God. Because to be fully alive in Christ, I must die to myself daily. And so you see, the people that are closest to me are not always the people that tell me what I want to hear. They'll tell me what I need to hear. I've heard it said of the Holy Spirit through the Word of God that he'll bloody your nose and then he'll give you a ride home on the back of his bike. (laughs) Because there have been times where the word of God has pierced me and it has caused me to have to leave some fleshly things behind. But in those places that feel like I'm sacrificing something, the greater glory is just knowing him deeper. See, transformation is not just about the newness that you're going to come into. It is the letting go of what you're leaving behind. Transformation is not always easy. There are times when it can be somewhat painful. But every step of it is worth it. There's never been a time in my life ever where the Lord has asked me to give something up or I have ever regretted it. And so this is what I want to challenge you with. For the next month, for the next 30 days, I would challenge you to turn off all teaching, put down your books, everything that is outside of the Word of God, and daily go to the Word of God, saying, Father, don't tell me what I want to hear, but show me what I need to know. God, where is it you want to move in my life? What is in me that is still not of you? I promise you, after 25 years, if I ask him that question, (laughs) if I open that door, I promise you, he will honor that prayer. So for the next 30 days, starting today, no teaching from anybody else, no books, no online reading, 
only the Word of God, you and the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. I want to challenge you. It's the sword of the Spirit. It's meant to separate our soul that the Spirit of God can come into the most intimate places and bring greater freedom. Not only to us, but for His Holy Spirit to move through us. See, that is what a healthy prophetic community is made of. Its foundation is on the Word. Not just for new revelation, but for transformation. For more information about this or other media resources, please visit our website at world-impactministries.com. Thanks for listening to this Sermon of the Week. Our prayer is that you are encouraged and strengthened by this message.